Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another sunny day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Vicky Wilden Lebrecht, owner and director of the Bright Group International, which specializes in representing children's illustrators across all the creative industries and is one of the most established names in supplying children's illustrations to publishing houses. Vicky, hello. Hi. Thank you for coming on the program today. Now, normally we get straight over to the subject of leadership, but considering the ongoing COVID outbreak, uh, let's start there. How has that affected uh, your operating of your business? Um, well, uh, thank you very much for having me. Um, like everyone, um, it's, it's affected us uh, hugely. Um, but I, I think for us, it's been we've tried to take it as a as a as a positive. In terms of, I think the biggest thing for us is that we're looking at like 10 years advancement in technology and working from home. And it's forced everyone to experiment with something that we probably wouldn't have um, done in the way that we've done it because we've been forced to do it and everyone's been forced Mm. to do it together. Um, So the whole working from home has really been a hugely positive it's, it's been amazing to see how well people have worked from home and identifying what we need to do going forward in bringing our, our company together and that's the kind of things that we're working on at the moment we're also looking at post-covid um of how you know when we're unlocked and if we are then going to have a second wave and we're all going to be locked down again um to ensure that we can just ride through the uncertainty. And I think that's what we're all certain of is that it's an uncertain situation. And I think everyone's in that together. Um, so we have, in terms of the working from home, it's, the thing that's been very positive as well is that our clients have also been forced to, um, and everyone has been forced to develop um their, their sort of how they structure. So, for example, some of our businesses that we work with would have sent paper contracts, and for a long time we've been like, please, can you send them digitally? Um, DocuSigns, you know, so the whole sort of publishing industry now is all digitalizing their contracts and how we send them, um, which before we had half our clients doing it digitally, half of them would come by post, and just the administration of the paperwork of filing contracts was just a little bit more noisy whereas now everyone is working to a same process we can actually process things much more efficiently so it's kind of the whole industry has kind of stepped together um which has been really you know it's, it's great actually that's that's one thing that's been really positive um so you do feel that there's been uh, quite a few positive aspects uh, that will come out of this uh, what sort yeah. of working behaviors, other than uh, a lot of these digitiza- digitizations, do you think that you will continue to embrace when uh, the COVID period has ended? Um, I think, I think giving, I think my employees' um, well-being and um, their Bright's always been very progressive in people being happy are generally working much better. So if people are empowered to work in the way that they fit them, 
the best. So we do a lot of support with um, working mums and if people creatively, if they work. So some of our, you know, if we're doing a lot of literary submissions and reading and, you know, if people do that better from home. So we're all about how do you work best? Um, and where do you have the best sort of output? So we've always been like that, but there's always been this like, well, can we have, really have everyone working from home? And we do need everyone in the office. And um, by having everyone at home, it's really allowed us to test what works and what doesn't in a way that we would never have been able to experiment. We would have never done that. Even our, you know, sending our entire accounts departments home, all of our creative, all of our marketing. So where we felt those certain meetings or those touching in points were essential, we had to just try them out. And what we found is what is essential, um, what we're really missing is that just catch up, that chat, mm. that just, oh, this happened and that happened. And we're we're finding new ways of, and also when we get unlocked and going forward is we probably will have certain meetings that will happen and making sure everyone is in the office and obviously socially distanced in a in a safe way but bringing certain teams in and um it's it's actually having maybe one person from different teams coming in because it's that chat over getting a water from the accountant to the agent it's that that point is missing because at the moment we're all quite siloed the accounts team will talk to each other every day the agents talk to each other every day but it's it's from home ensuring those those different teams and those different departments talk to each other um and sort of recognizing that uh, just those little moments that are lost at the moment because they don't happen and and how important they are but actually the big thing is people really can work from home three you know two three four days i think it's important that we have people do come in um I think also one of the things that is re- someone really said to me is a coal, if you've got 20 coals, they burn brightly for about 20 hours. If you take one coal out, it will burn for about 20 minutes. So a coal will burn with other people a lot longer than it will burn on its own. Mm. And I think that's very sort of similar to sort of people. We need each other. We need connection. We need stimulation. We need inspiration. I think we all get to those days where you're just like, God, oh, I'm a bit tired today or that, that's, you just someone will say something and you'll just get that spark and off your you know your so I think maintaining sort of focus and inspiration from home having said that because COVID has been so sort of a corona coaster it's been thrilling in its highs and lows and I mean that in a um not sort of being derogatory to anyone that suffered which we've actually all had COVID so we have my my partner was in hospital for a period of time with it so it's I'm not but it's in that journey of the highs and lows of it, I think everyone has been quite focused on their work and they've been quite focused on their industry and because everyone is engaged in a way that everyone definitely feels alive right now because it is such a extraordinary period. Um, I think people are watching the news more, they're more engaged with their community more, they're engaged with their work more, they're, you know, in a, in a fear and a, they're just engaged. I think everyone is just, you know, awake, very awake at mm-hmm. the moment. Now, uh, we should move on to the subject of leadership. I always like to start mm-hmm. this part of the conversation off by asking the same simple question. What does the word leader mean to you? Um, the word leader, I think you have to have a very strong moral compass when you're a leader. And I think that you need to really have one foot on the floor. Um, 
and sort of all time and, and be very sort of measured in your vision. But I think being a leader is you do need to be brave and have courage to go with your instincts of, you know, you, you've led to be where you are. Um, I set my company up in 2003 and I've always had a very clear vision. Um, and I've also had very strong um, what we're about, which is I've just literally come out of a meeting talking exactly this is we are here to manage our artists and ensure they um, progress as best they can. And all the decisions we really need to be making is what is going to serve them the best and how are we looking after them? And I think as a leader, you need to be always ensuring that your company is linked to what your purpose is. And our purpose is looking after our artists and making sure they have the best career and the best service and they are looked after the best from us and we I as me my role is if I have someone in a company that's sort of going off to what you know they're, they're getting focused on something that's outside it, it's just keeping everyone working to what the objectives of the business is and keeping that one foot firmly on the um, that measured this is what we're doing um, and not sort of careering off um, of things that maybe serve teams individually or uh, an agent personally. It's like that they're, you know, we, we work in different territories and things are going on differently in different territories. And it's just ensuring that we're all aligned um, and that the, and the, the, object, the main objective of the company is met. You know, I think that's my, my job as a leader is to just keep us all um, and also be evolving that, where that vision is. Um, and right now, with the world changing in with the sort of the climate, is just sort of evolving that vision to ensure we're capturing everything that we we need to. But yeah, that's what I would say my job has been. Well, unfortunately, our time together is drawing to a close. But before I let you go, what does the next twelve months look like for the Bright Group? I think we're in a really fortunate position in, you know, children's publishing is that there's a lot of children working um, from home. I think families generally publishing in a, in most recessions we have found people tend to lean to um, buying more books and being much more sort of, it is, it's not recession proof, but I think it's a very, uh, it's a loved item and it's a very needed item. And I think people, no one ever feels bad about buying a book and it's a very positive um, especially for your children and um, educating them on the world, and so it's, I think we've got we're seeing some really fantastic books coming out. I'm really excited about what's coming in the autumn of the response to this, and I think um, also with the BLM movement, and I think it's um, so. Yeah, we I'm I'm looking forward to more sort of really good working creatively to be outpouring the right content for the world to be reading at this at this time. Um, so yeah, we're just buckling up for the next stage of the Corona coaster, but um, yeah, we're we're pretty confident we're in a, a good place, and I think we've um, really worked together well as a business um, in the last three months. And I'm really proud of my my senior team um, and everyone actually at Bright of how well they've adapted. Well, I'd like to so thank I'm pretty you. Happy. Oh, fantastic. I'd like to thank you again for coming on the program. It's been a pleasure having you. And of course, we have to have you back on when things get back to normal. But for now, Vicky, thank you. 
That was Vicky Wilden Liebrecht, owner and director of the Bright Group International. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, <laughs> I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with, he'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in Sir Alf Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. And what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more 
looks upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy in the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly all walks of life. Leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction, people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that, but obviously uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South. Ramsey. Now, there's a man. I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand. Whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you, it can have a great impact on your <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict. But at a time, you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn sheet, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious things I think I've learnt over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh... A, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be 
be playing in, in the team. But in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, Norway, I think in Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen, so mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I. At that stage, I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, well, not for me personally, no. I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be and I'd be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back out, mm. so I never really felt. People talk about pressure a lot, and it's there. And people, players talk about. People talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out. The squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. There's too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, "Yes, I was just about to to shoot to score the goal, and I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch.' So that's uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke and make a joke about that, and saying, "Yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance round, you know." Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there are. There certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. 
Uh, I was in a jersey or Channel Line jersey or jersey two or three years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions that absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely. But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me? I, I can tell you if you want. You want? You got time? I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a. a at a dinner in the you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I had a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm-hmm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is, uh, well, uh, and we, that you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but I, then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did... Uh, um, but then again, if you, put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened. When you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by by quick one way or the other? people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... It would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches. People must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah, and and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with? Um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader. Um, well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really. Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to. 
their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's that a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolute leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who's just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood. Yeah, the answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England. Who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we we're successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And going back on an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. the, um, uh, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and- when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. We have some great players, of course. But without the attitude (laughs) alongside that, going back to an earlier question, 
you we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the, the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts, but with it. Yes, the word, the, word is team. The, word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk sometimes. You know, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, single-mindedness dedication, dedication to the job, um, thinking about that, that, that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But it, you, I don't think you can switch off. When you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level, you may, you know, have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday. But I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's. You're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over it, go over the past, and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.